0: I love the way that video ends. Just bam, there we go. Hey, good morning. And welcome to the third of four weekend services here at New Spring. I can't believe that this is our, I can, I was just talking to the discovery group over there and I was telling them, I remember when we added a second service, I think back in 2001. And I was thinking, how am I going to speak twice? Well, now I'm going to find out how I'm going to speak four times today. I'm so glad you guys are here. What a, what a wonderful, wonderful thing to see all you guys here. And, and thank you for, for your patience. I know that, you know, getting in the parking lot and checking in kids and, and going to New Spring sometimes is a challenge within itself. But I'm just so thankful that you guys have, have come here today to hear what God has got to say. And, and I'm just a spokesman. I always remember that. I just, I'm like a letter carrier. I just carry the mail, and it's God's message that's most important. For the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about a subject that I love and I need in my life, and that's the subject of change, change. Um, we just finished a political season. We're about to inaugurate a brand-new president, and, and his whole mantra, his whole theme throughout the election cycle was change. And his theme, if I, if I, if I remember correctly, it was change we can believe in. And and it wasn't just him, but it was like almost every candidate who ran for office in in, in this last election cycle, they were talking about change and change. And and beyond that, it's a a time of change. It's the new year. And uh, January 1st, the new year is often a time for New Year's resolutions. In fact, that's one of the questions that we get asked a lot, isn't it? This time of year, what are your New Year's resolutions? But here we are now about the third week of January. And for many of us, our New Year's resolutions have already gone by the boards. Because we're stopping by Krispy Kreme again. And um, that really whiz-bang piece of gym equipment that we, you know, or workout equipment that we got for Christmas, we're checking out, trying to figure out how much it might bring on eBay now because we've reverted, reverted back to our old ways of life. But what I want to talk about is serious change. And and for many of us, you know, you've gone to seminars or you've read books or you've been to, you know, you've been to uh, conferences or whatever. And the whole idea is this is how you can change your life. And I don't know if, if you've experienced the same thing that I have, but I've been to some of these. And when I get in my car to drive away, I think nothing's really going to change in my life. I mean, I heard some cool stuff, or or maybe you work for a corporation, and every once in a while, they'll trot out this whole new program, and it'll have new nomenclature, new terminology, and yet you you, you say to yourself, it's the same old way of doing business we always have. It's just something that they've ginned up to get us thinking about, you know, a new way of doing things, but it isn't really going to change. What I'm going to be talking about is serious change. In fact, I'm going to go out on a limb and tell you this, that if you will be here for these five weeks, and if you'll employ what I'm talking about, anything in your life that needs to change can change. Anything that's in your life that shouldn't be, anything that's not in your life that should be, it is if you're a Christ follower, it is within your grasp. Change is possible. And I think that's where we need to start this morning because we need to ask the question, do you believe? I mean, if you look at your life and you find things that you don't like or you find you don't have things that you would like to have, do you believe that you can change? Because I've honestly thought through the years, you know, now 30 years of pastoring and just plus, you know, 52 years of living, I've come to believe that many people really deep down at their core, they they don't think they can change. This is a subtle distinction, but hang with me for a moment. Most people think they can tweak, but very few people think they can change. And here's what happens when I, if I come to believe that it's not possible for me to change, uh, two things happen that are both very damaging in my life. The first thing is I have to sell myself that I can't change. And that's not easy because hope springs eternal, right? And and we we, we think, well, maybe I can be a different person. But if we've tried the New Year's resolution thing long enough and failed long enough, after a while, we'll begin to question whether or not we can really ever change. And what we'll do is we'll go on a quest, number one, to sell ourselves on the fact that we have to accept ourselves the way we are. And very quickly, I want to make the point. I'm not talking about your appearance. I'm not talking about your gift package of talents, because there are times when we do have to say, well, that is how God made me. But I'm talking about something different. I'm just talking about character issues. I'm talking about things in our lives that we know we could do better, we could be better. When we sell ourselves that we can't change, we do that through a couple of ways. Number one, we, we do it be, through, through denial. Well, that's, that's just how I am. Or we can become defensive. When one of our friends talks to us about something, you know, maybe that we're doing too much or not doing enough, we can, we can bristle at that. You know, if we go in for a review at work and your supervisor says, hey, you got some things that you need to work on. If you're selling yourself that you can never change, you'll probably walk out of that office and you think, I got the number one jerk for a boss, right? We won't go into that room where we say, well, is is she possibly right? Because we're on this quest to sell ourselves that we, we have to be the way we are. We, we can't change. This, this is just how we act in relationships. This is just how we work. This is, this is our style. We can't change. The second, thing that can happen, the second thing that happens if we try to convince ourselves that we can't change is that we'll begin to try to convince other people. See, if I've convinced myself that I can't change, my next quest is convince, to convince you that you just have to accept me the way I am. Have you ever heard the term difficult person? You know what a difficult person is? A difficult person is somebody who's determined that they can't change, and now they're in the process of telling you that you have to accept them just the way they are. But guys, let me tell you, I, I, I honestly believe this with all my heart, that if you have, especially if you have signed on to follow Jesus Christ, and God is at work in your life, there is nothing that should be in your life that isn't, that can't be, if you're willing to employ what we're going to talk about for the next five weeks, change is possible. Can I just reach out and grab you and say that to you this morning? Whatever needs to change in your life is possible. It is, if you're a Christ follower, it is within your grasp. But the first thing comes down to vision. Do you see a life? Is it, I mean, have you, would you just like let yourself into the realm of possibility? And, 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 and do you see a possibility for being a different person? And if you just say, well, no, Mark, that's just how I am. I have a bad temper, and I just let it get the best of me sometimes, but that's just how the way I am. Is it possible for you to see yourself without that bad explosive temper? If you're, like, critical and fault-finding, you just say, that's how I am. I just nag my kids to death, and they, they don't like to talk to me, but, boy, that's just the person that I am. That's how I was raised. That's how my mother was. If that's how you see yourself, that's how it'll continue. But my question is, could you see a different way of living? Standing behind me is a replica of the Berlin Wall. And the reason why it's a metaphor for our series is this very issue. For a long time, people looked at the Berlin Wall and said, that's just how things have to be. I know I'm going to go out of some of your life history, other than maybe just reading about it in books. But after World War II, Europe was divided up. The Allied powers, especially the United States and Great Britain, we kind of had to make a deal with the devil to win World War II. We needed the help of the Soviets. We needed the help of the Russians. And so we, we defeated the Axis powers. But after World War II, we found ourselves in in a, in a bad scrape now because we weren't dealing with Hitler in Germany and we weren't dealing with Japan anymore. We were dealing with Russia, and we were in what we, what was called the Cold War. And the Cold War was just all about the United States was building up their nuclear arsenal, and the Russians were building up their nuclear arsenal, and they were shooting, you know, satellites into space, and we had to shoot satellites into space, and it was like brinkmanship, and we were like trying to threaten each other sufficiently enough that the other country wouldn't start, the other power wouldn't start World War III. But anyway, the Cold War, I mean, there were, there were, there were, focal points of the cold war vietnam cuba but there was one city more than any other that was sort of the metaphor the focal point for the cold war and that was berlin berlin was situated pretty much in east germany but berlin was divided into two sectors there was the communist sector in east berlin and there was the democratic sector the free the free world sector in west berlin And for a long time, people had access to either side. And what the communists were freaking over was the fact that there were people in East Berlin that were walking across the line to go into West Berlin because what they had discovered was that communism, you know, living in communist East Germany, they they didn't have freedom and they wanted freedom. And hundreds of thousands of people walked across the line into West Berlin. The communists were watching their workforce decline and they said, we got to do something about this. We have to build a wall. We have to build a wall so that our people can't get out. And so at first it was just wire, and then it was concrete, and there was that wall that was a symbol of the Cold War. And there were actually people that said, even back into the you know, the early days of the Cold War, it's a good thing that this wall is here. But there were two American presidents who said, it shouldn't be this way. See, I mean, that's where change starts. I mean, change starts with, with someone who says, it doesn't have to be this way. Everybody else said it had to be this way. And they went to the Berlin Wall, both these presidents in their generation, and they gave talks, they gave speeches that resonate to this day. And my guess is for those of you who like American history, there's at least a couple of lines from each one of those speeches that you'll remember. The first of those speeches was in May of 1963. A young charismatic president, John F. Kennedy, went to the Berlin Wall. And in the very heat, in the very, in in, in maybe some of the most tense times of the cold war after the cuban missile crisis when, when 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 both powers were poised and it seemed like the leaders of both powers had had their fingers on a hair trigger for nuclear war john kennedy went to the berlin wall and stood there and his voice rang out and he talked about freedom And he talked about a way of life that was different from from the way of life that many people were experiencing. And and he asked asked one of his translators to translate a line into German so that he could say it in German. And what he was trying to say was, I'm a free man, and, and because you people want to be free, I consider myself part of you. And you remember he said, Ich bin ein Berliner. And people have had a lot of fun with him through the years saying that there shouldn't have been that definite article, Ein, in there because it skewed the meaning of his sentence. Berliner was a jelly donut. And they were saying what Kendi actually said was that he was a jelly donut. But the people in Berlin knew what he meant. He was saying, hey, I identify with you. And, and that was considered pretty strong rhetoric at the time. And George Bundy, who was his national security advisor, went to Kendi after the speech and said, I think that was a little bit over the top. See, whenever we start talking about freedom and change and breaking through and being somebody that we didn't think we could be, there's going to be this thing about shrinking back, and sometimes it'll come from other people. Maybe sometimes it'll come from our own spirit. But George Bundy said, man, that's over the top. He need to pull back some of that rhetoric. The second speech was given in June of, of 1987. Actually, when the president who, who spoke there, gave his talk, there were chips of the wall lying on the ground, and, and I have this piece. One of Reagan's advanced guys is, um, is a, an acquaintance of one of our staff, and, and he sent this piece that was actually collected. If you could get close to it, you would see that it's marked 687 because it was collected just a few feet away from Reagan when he gave the speech. But Ronald Reagan came at a very different time when the Soviet premier Mikhail Gorbachev was signaling openness And so Reagan went to the Berlin Wall, and he stood there in front of it, and he was saying, if you really want change, if you really want openness, if you really want a different way of life, and you'll remember this line, perhaps Ronald Reagan said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. We, many of us, live to see it come down. What I think is so incredible about those two speeches and why we love those two speeches and why we, why we respect those two men, regardless of whatever our political persuasion might be, is you have two American presidents who both went against the media, who both went against their own advisors and said, I see a different way of life. Hey guys, I want to take you beyond just filling out a list of New Year's resolutions. I want to ask you, do you see a different way of life? Could life be different? could you change now right out of the box i have to tell you this is a different kind of series than i bring sometimes because this series with with all due respect and i'm saying this about me this series is going to push us you know this is not one of those series where you just like come in and say wow man that's great truth that's exciting makes me feel good this will make us feel good but it's going to push us a little bit i'd been telling mary alice this fall that i really need to get serious about working out that's a change that needs to happen in my life I kind of do a hit and miss thing, you know, go in there kind of like, oh, do something that makes me feel good about myself, but really nothing changes. So I've been telling her, I said, I think what I'd like to have is I'd like to have one session with a personal trainer, just at least so I could see how, you know, a real workout goes and understand all the equipment and everything. So on Christmas morning, I get up and guess what? One of my presents I'm opening up, it's an envelope, it's from Mary Allen's, it's five sessions with a personal trainer. And one thing I've discovered about personal trainers is they can get you sore in every place. They find every muscle. And, and but this this week I was working out. It was kind of an upper body workout. Working with a wonderful, wonderful guy. He's a personal trainer. And and, and, and he, we were working upper body. And he was like having me do like reps and stuff. And 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 I think it was like 15 reps with each, with each set. And we'd already done quite a bit of. And then I'm starting to get tired. And there was one he was wanting me to do like with 15 reps. And had already done the machine a bunch of times, and, and, and I got to like 12, and, and I, I was about to say, I think he grabbed my face, I was about to say, I don't think I can do it. And here's what he said to me. He said, Mark, here's how, here's how it works building muscle. He said, you know, the tiny microscopic tears in the muscle, that's how you build muscle, and then those tears heal through nutrition. And he said, that's how muscle's built. But he said, here's the thing. He said, it's those last three that actually do good. He said, everything, he said, you have to like go right to the point of failure, right to the point of exertion. And he said, everything that works up to those last three reps, that's just lead up. It's those last three reps where you're actually accomplishing something. And guys, I don't mean to be hard about this, but when I look at American Christianity, I think we're kind of wimpish a little bit. I mean, it's time for us to push, Right? I mean, it's time for us to develop. There's stuff that's not right in our lives that needs to be right. There's stuff that isn't in our lives that should be in our lives. So what I want to ask you is to have the vision for a different kind of life and be willing to push a little bit to say, hey, by the power of God, I could be a different person. Well, after I've given that talk about exertion, let me talk about the first and the most important thing about change. And you're going to be happy to know this first one, this first one requires no effort. Isn't that cool? After I've just said that about tearing muscles and all that kind of stuff. Isn't that great? I mean, this one is so easy. It doesn't require any effort. It will not cost you a penny. You will not have to break a sweat to do the first one. And it is the most important part of change. But it's the one thing most people don't understand. So at least being here today, even if you don't get to come for the next four weekends, which I hope you will, you will learn the most important part of change. If I am going to change... I must change my mind. I must change my mind. See, that's what most people don't understand. Most people want to go directly to number two. Next week, I'm going to talk about changing our habits, and I'm going to give you some tools to change habits with. When most of us look at something that's not right in our life, we say, hey, I need to go immediately to change my habits. Don't raise your hand on this one. But I know, though, I know about what I'm talking about. How many of you have like, lost a lot of weight? And you like dieted and you changed your habits only to gain it back why do we lose weight and gain it back well it's because we've changed our habits but we haven't changed our minds we think blue Bell is still good <laughs> i can't have it right now but it's good i wish i could have it you're driving down central there's crispy cream lights on i can't have it but it's good you know? Hey, I, I know I'm I'm dating this, this guy and man his beliefs are totally different from mine and he's got a whole different way of life and I'm doing a lot of stuff I don't believe in when I'm with him, but hey, he's good. You know, I'm I'm deceptive and that's how I get along in relationships. I don't tell the truth. But that's good, that's that's how it's good for me. Hey, listen guys, it does no good to change your habits if you don't change your mind because what happens is when you change your habits for a while you reap the benefit of that habit but if you still think bad is good and good is bad you will revert. If we're going to change, there has to be a change of mind. Man, I have to think that bluebell is killing me. You know, it's bad for me. See, change begins with an understanding that what i've been trying isn't working you know i've been saying to myself you know what if i'm going to eat that chocolate cake i need to drink a diet coke with that (laughs) but when i step on the scales i'm thinking that ain't working for me right (laughs) see that's what i'm talking about i mean it's not enough to say oh i'm going to try this or try that it all starts with what i've been doing is not working for me and then we're open to change so how, how does it happen? You have to change your mind. Hey, let me take you to the Bible because somebody could say here today and say, Well, Mark, that's just, that's, that doesn't have to do with God. That's just common sense. I want you to know that this thought emanates from God. And let me, let me start here by saying this. I think most people have the idea that the body controls the mind. Whatever, whatever impulses I have from my body, my mind has to do that. You know, if my body says eat, my mind has, my mind says, I got to do that. You know, if my body says lust, then my mind says, okay, I got to go along with that. But that's not true. See, our problem's not in the screen, on the screen, it's in the projection room. And we have to, by God's grace, get into the projection room and deal with our head and say, I'm going to change the way I think. That is a God concept. I'm going to say a word for you, and I want to see what, what comes up to mind. If we're playing word association, I'm going to say a, a term that many people associate with religion. So see what you think about it. Repent. Repent. What do you think about when you hear the word repent? Well, instantly there's some strange images in my head that come, come up. I mean, for one thing, I think about a kind of a maladjusted guy, you know, on the streets holding up a sign that says repent or else. Think about that. Um, I, it's a very stained glass pipe organ kind of sound, you know, God thundering out of heaven saying, repent. I I, I grew up, my, my parents, wonderful, wonderful parents, and they, and they used to take me to, and this may be a foreign term to some of you, they used to take me to revival meetings, and I learned a lot of wonderful things in those revivals, because what would happen is there'd be an evangelist, and people would get together, and he would preach to everybody, and, uh, and one of the words that would, would, would be said was repent and and in those days what they would do is they would invite people to come forward to an altar and there would actually be something called a mourner's bench and the idea was if you repent you're going to be sorry for what you've done wrong you're going to be crying about what you've done and so this pastor or this evangelist would deliver this message and so hopefully people would feel sorry for what they would they've done they would come forward and they would cry and people said oh man he's repenting but when we look at the Bible, repentance is not being sorry about what we've done wrong. Now, that's a healthy thing, and sometimes it leads to repentance, but not always. I mean, if, if, if repentance is just being sorry for what you've done wrong, some of you have repented holding on to the toilet, you know, after a really bad hangover. <laughs> huh? And you're promising God you will never drink again. And a few days later, I mean, if it's just being sad about doing wrong... No, no, no. You know, repentance comes from, and if you look at the original Greek word for repent in the Bible, it comes from two Greek words that are jammed together. The first word is meta, M-E-T-A. We have that same root in the word metabolism or metastasis. Meta means change. The second word is noia. It comes from the Greek word, the root word nous, N-O-U-S, which means mind or thinking. Whenever God says repent, what God is saying is change your thinking. Let me read to you one of the most important verses in the Bible, at least in my point of view it is. Paul is talking about presenting the gospel. and Here's what he said. Testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. To me, that is what salvation is all about. It is changing your mind about God and faith in Jesus Christ. See, when I was a kid growing up, one of the things that I heard preachers talk about too, when they talked about repentance, they were saying repentance is a change of life. You change your life. That's what repentance is. But if that were the case, hang with me for a moment. If that were the case, nobody could be saved instantaneously. Because there would have to be a process of a changed life that was sufficient enough for God to grant salvation. Then beyond that, it would be an act of work, something that we would do. Now that's not what repentance is. Repentance is a change of mind, a change of direction. Repentance is getting up into the projection room and saying, what I thought about God was wrong. And now I think right about God, and I'm putting my faith and confidence in Jesus Christ. That will result in a changed life. But repentance is a change of mind. Let me read to you some verses of Scripture. These these are what i'm going to do here is i'm just going to put change your mind in there as, as a res, in the place of repentance jesus was preaching when he first started his ministry so the time has come the kingdom of god is near change your mind and believe the good news acts 3 verse 19 change your mind and turn to god so that your sins may be wiped out my favorite text about this is in Acts 17 verse 30 paul preaching on mars hill to a group of intellectual secularists he said in the past god looked at such overlooked such ignorance but now He commands all people everywhere to change their minds. In Ezekiel 18, verse 32, God says, I take no pleasure in the death of anyone. Change your mind and live. See, that's how we begin a relationship with God. We change our minds. I'm talking to some of you. You've come out of religion, and you've got a strange view of God. It's like God is like way away from you and and you can never be close to God, never have a relationship with him unless you perform all the rituals of the church. Guys, let me tell you, that is so far away from the concept of who God is. It's like night and day. God is the creator of the universe. He is sovereign. He rules over all, but he loves you very, very much. He knows the numbers of hairs on your head. He knows the thoughts of your heart and mind. He knows the dreams of your heart. He knows the fears that keep you awake at night. God is very much aware of every aspect of your life, and he loved you so much that when the chips were down, he gave the most priceless possession that he had, which was his only son, in order that he might die in your place to give you eternal life. That is who God is. And some of you at New Spring have have learned that. Maybe you learned it before you got here. Maybe you learned it when you came here. But you could say, I have changed my mind about God. And now I put faith in Jesus Christ. That is what repentance is. And guys, here's what, anything, any change that needs to happen in our lives, what God is saying is, change your mind if you could be here today and you say, Mark, I've never had a relationship with God. I've never known Jesus Christ. Well, then my plea for you today is to change your mind and say, yes, I do want God in my life. Yes, I do believe in Jesus Christ. Yes, I do want to follow him. And if you've already done that, if you've already invited Christ into your life, here's where it gets really exciting. God has placed within you the power to do anything that's part of his will. In, in, first, excuse me, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, the Bible says, be strong in the power of God. You have the power in your life, if you're a Christ follower, you have the power in your life to overcome any challenge in, in, that's in your life. You have the power to have anything good in your life that's not there or to get rid of anything bad that is there. And it all starts when we change our minds. Okay, guys, I have about eight minutes. i want to leave you with two thoughts. Here's the first of the two. I wanna ask you to lock on. I mean, whatever needs to change in your life, I want you to just lock on right now. Because what I need to change and what you need to change is probably different. But I'm asking you to lock on. Because here's what the enemy will try to do. He will try to get you to be distracted and to say, yeah, maybe Mark's got something there, but to move on with life and not deal with it. Lock on. Don't let another second go by. Lock on. What is it that needs to change? Are you locked on? then I want to encourage you to change your mind about it. What's tough about changing our mind? Because after all, as I said a few moments ago, it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to break a sweat. But why is it that so few of us actually are successful at it? Let me give you two reasons. The first one is, first, there's this wall of pride. Because when I change my mind, I have to say I was wrong about this. I thought I was right, but I was wrong. And so I have to deal with my own pride and say, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to change my mind. The second thing is procrastination procrastination is like a wall that keeps us. And I discovered that in my own personal life, procrastination does me more harm than anything else. Well, I'll start tomorrow. Well, I'll start this next week. This is not a good time. I'll tell you what, this, you can, if you want to, you can do, you can, this is not a good time yourself into letting a bad habit stay in your life forever. Lock on, lock on. Lastly, last thing I want to say, change your mind. In time. The Bible tells us multiple stories of people who changed their minds, but it was too late. Think about Eve for a moment. You know, in in Genesis chapter 3, when Eve was looking at the fruit that God told her not to eat, that it would bring all kinds of bad things into the world, in verse 6 of Genesis chapter 3, Eve looked at the tree and she saw that it was good. It was good for her, it would make her smart. But talk to Eve after she gets expelled from the garden. You know, you could say, Eve, what do you think? And she'd say, it's bad, it's bad. You don't want it. But it was too late. You know, in Luke chapter 16, there's a a rich man, and he's, you know, he doesn't have any time for anybody else, doesn't have any time for God, and he winds up in hell, and he's tormented in the flames. And all of a sudden he's very excited about God and he's very excited about eternal life and he's very excited about hell and he's asking Abraham to go tell his five brothers not to come to this place. He's changed his mind about hell, but Abraham has to tell him, son, it's too late. (laughs) I don't know why. Maybe it's not this way with you. It's sure this way in my life. I sometimes get amazing clarity when I hit the wall. You would think that hitting the wall would daze you, but I get clarity when I hit the wall. And there's a sentence that I, as a question that I ask every time I change my mind too late. And that sentence is, what was I thinking? Have you ever been there? What was I thinking is tantamount to saying I didn't change my mind in time, and I wish I had. Guys, I want to plead with you today. Whatever it is that needs to change in your life. Change your mind. Change your mind. And that'll, your, your pride will take a, take a hit. And you'll have to jump right on top of it. But change your mind. Get into the projection room. Get to the place where you look at what's going on in your life and you say, you know what? If it's not working for me, this can't be good for me. What I'm pursuing, it can't be good. It can't be healthy. It can't be appropriate for me. I am changing my mind. I used to like it, but I don't like it anymore. I used to pursue it, but I'm not pursuing it anymore. I have changed my mind. And if you do that, you're on the way. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for teaching us through your word. And I ask you to just help us, Father. Help me, because every person here has got something that we're struggling with, something that needs to change. And I ask you to just make it clear in our lives. Lord, please keep us from procrastinating. Father, if we try to procrastinate or stall, I pray you'll just make us so uncomfortable that we can't do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you just still pray with me for a moment? I talked about having a relationship with God that involves changing our mind and putting faith in Jesus Christ. Guys, I'm not trying to ask you to join a church. I'm not trying to ask you to you know, keep a rule or something. I'm asking you, have you ever invited Jesus Christ into your life to transform you? Because if he comes in, he brings a power. I mean, the Bible talks about the power that raised Christ from the dead is actually in our lives. If you've never invited him in, I want to give you a chance to do that. I'm going to pray a prayer. These aren't magic words. But if you'll pray this prayer with me, God will listen to you. I'm going to pray it slowly. If you want to accept Christ, just repeat this after me in your heart. Dear Jesus, I know I've done wrong, but I believe you died in my place. Please forgive me and make me God's child. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, if you prayed that prayer, I'd like to ask you to do something. I know that when you came in, you received a a worship folder. Mine's already torn apart. And I know that maybe some of you, we ran out, you you didn't get one. But if you have one of these, if you just prayed to receive Christ, I'd like for you to to do something because I have a gift I want to send you. I have a packet. It's got some DVDs and great stuff about how to follow Christ. If you just ask Christ in your heart and life, I'll send that to you free. It won't cost you anything. If you just put your name and address on there and just check the box. It says, I prayed to receive Christ. And I'll mail that to you. You can drop the card in the offering bags or in the boxes by the back doors, the bottom of the staircase. And if you don't want to wait, you don't have to. If you've got a few extra minutes, I know we're crowded today, but if you have a few extra minutes, if you want to, you can just bring the card back to New Spring Store Guest Services right through the middle there. And, and you don't, they won't ask you any questions or anything. Just say, I pray with Mark. And if you didn't get a worship folder today, all you have to do is go back and say, I didn't pray with Mark, and I, I did pray with Mark, rather, and, and they'll give you this, okay? You didn't catch that. I caught that, but you didn't catch